Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. People can see what we do, they can hear what we say, but do they really know what we feel? Do they really know the intent of our heart? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but God does. God knows the hearts of men. Why does that matter? We're going to answer that question today in today's episode. Good morning, this is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 087. He knows your heart. And this is the Faith for My Generation podcast, and I'm your host, AJ. I'm so glad that you're watching and that you're listening. Let's go to John chapter 2, starting at verse 23, and it reads, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of him, for he knew what was in man. We're going to discuss what it means when God, you know, when we see in Scripture that God judges the heart. You know, I think about uh, King David. When King David is anointed uh, by the prophet Samuel, uh, when he's a teenager, really, I think it's like 15 years before he actually is... uh, inaugurated king and then when he when he becomes king it's over Judah and Benjamin and seven years later all the other tribes ten tribes of Israel uh, consider him king as well and then he's moves his uh, kingship from Judah and Benjamin to Jerusalem for the whole nation of Israel but nonetheless when Samuel the prophet is commanded by the Lord to go anoint a new king after Saul has disobeyed the Lord two separate times and God knew Saul's heart, so God made the decision. I, I, I no longer can work with this man as the king of Israel. So the Lord sends Samuel to anoint a young shepherd boy. First Samuel sixteen seven. this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Of course, Samuel, he's looking over Jesse's sons, and he thinks surely it must be the oldest son because he looks like a king. He's strong. He's the oldest. He's good-looking. And then the Lord reminds Samuel of this. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We see this playing out right here in the ministry of Jesus when he was walking the earth. Verse 24, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. Notice that he knows all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. He didn't need anyone to tell him, hey, this is what man's like. For he knew what was in man. Now, what we find ourselves is, is is Jesus is in Jerusalem at the time of Passover. There is a feast going on, and it says, Many believed in his name, 
Why did they believe in the name of Jesus? Why were they beginning to turn toward the Lord and believe on Him? Because of the signs, because of the miracles that were taking place. And in the book of John, at this point, it is water being turned into wine. In the book of John, that's the first miracle. There are seven miracles that are recorded in John. It's not the only, because we can see from the other Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's many miracles that Jesus did. So many miracles. And in fact, John tells us in the last chapter of the book of John, John chapter 20, or second to last chapter, John 20 verses 30 and 31 says this, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So even the Apostle John says there's many signs and wonders that took place in the ministry of Jesus that aren't even written down in this book. But what we have written down by the unction, the empowerment, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of hearing and believing. So these people that are here at the Passover, they're believing in Jesus because of the signs they see. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Believing in God because of signs, miracles, and wonders is a great place to begin your faith in God. But it shouldn't rest there. It shouldn't end there. It shouldn't be the beginning and end there. I I can't remember exactly who said this to give credit to, but I heard Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. uh, give this quote. And the quote is that miracles and signs are the dinner bell to God's table. Miracles and signs and wonders, they are the dinner bell to come sit at God's table. Just like you would ring a dinner bell, hey, you know, come and get it, it's ready to eat. You know, ring the dinner bell. I'm thinking about like, you know, in cowboy western movies when the uh, the cook, he's ringing that triangle bell, ding, 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 ding. you know, it's time to eat. Everyone comes comes to get some grub. That's what miracle signs and wonders are. They're the calling card of the kingdom of God. I believe in miracle signs and wonders. I believe today, still today, that God has not changed, Satan has not changed, and the needs of mankind have not changed. And so I believe in miracle signs and wonders. But the sole purpose of miracle signs and wonders, well, I shouldn't say sole, the main reason for miracle signs and wonders is to point people to Christ. Because, and I corrected myself there just as I was speaking, God does love people. He is compassionate. Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus said that he had compassion on the multitude because they were like sheep scattered without a shepherd. And then he teaches the disciples and you and me how to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers. Why? So these scattered sheep can be received into the fold of God, be nourished, be healthy, and then be taken into the pasture of God, heaven. And so God has compassion. God heals because He wants people well. But in healing, He also wants people to discover that He will heal them in every area of their life, including their spirit of the sickness of sin. See, God is a miracle-working God. He is a God of signs and wonders. We see this in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus was confirmed the Son of God by signs miracles, and wonders. The book of Psalms tells us that God is a God of miracles. 
He is a God of wonders. But that should not be the sole reason why we believe because of signs, miracle, wonders. Rather, our faith and our belief is what produces these signs, miracles, and wonders that we see in our lives and in the lives of other people. What's interesting here, it says that some, that these people, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Now the word pisteo, or pisteo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O, this Greek word pisteo, believed in verse 23, it's, the, it's being used again in verse 24. But in my New King James Bible, it says, many believed in his name. But in verse 24 it says, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Well, the word believed and the word commit in my English Bible are transliterations from that Greek word pisteo, which means to trust, commit oneself to, to believe. So we have the same, why don't I point that out? The same intention, the same word, the same meaning is being used in both examples. People believed in Jesus. They committed themselves to him. They trusted in him because of what they saw. But Jesus didn't believe in them. They believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Now, why does he not commit himself to them? Why does he not believe? Basically, why does Jesus not believe in their believing? Really, that's what's going on. These people are saying, yes, we believe in you, Lord. Yes, we believe in you, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I don't believe it. <laughs> well, we believe in you. Well, I don't believe you. <laughs> why is, does Jesus, why does Jesus not have faith in their, if you will, faith? Well, Jesus tells us. But Jesus did not commit himself to or trust in or believe in them because he knew all men. He knew all men. He understands what is in man. He understands the heart of, generally speaking, mankind. He understands that though they may believe superficially today in him because of what they see, signs, miracles, and wonders, they may not believe tomorrow. And that's what's so unfortunate we see in the Gospels. There were people that believed one day and the next they didn't. It was very shallow faith. It's the last kind of faith you and I, the faith we want to have. We want to have deep, rooted, grounded faith in God. But Jesus knew the hearts. He knew the hearts. Revelation 2 verse 23 says this, it kind of starts in mid-sentence, this corrupt church of Thyatira. The Lord Jesus is telling them to repent and to get rid of this sexual immorality that is taking place due to this woman named Jezebel. And so it's, I didn't just want to start reading verse 23 because it's kind of intense. Verse 23 says this, I will kill her children with death. You know, if I just started reading, whoa, wow, that came out of nowhere. He's speaking of this woman named Jezebel, an adulterous, false prophetess who is leading other people into sin and adultery. And so basically saying, I'm going to kill her children with death. So those that are following her, they're going to be destroyed. And all the churches shall know that I am he 
who searches, examines the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. So in the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to this specific church, Thyatira, saying, look, there's some people in you, in your fellowship that are following after this false prophetess, Jezebel. She's an adulteress, and she's seducing other people to commit sexual immorality and to worship false gods through this sexual immorality. And I'm going to bring judgment. And I know exactly who deserves to be judged. I know exactly who to bring judgment against because I can search the mind and I can search the heart. Maybe these people were doing it in secret to where their own church family in this church of Thyatira didn't even know, you know, this person or that person were committing these deeds. But God does because if He can see your heart, then your actions are simply the outworking of your heart. The outworking of your heart. Your actions, what you say, what you think, what you do is simply revelation. It's simply display. It's simply showing what's in the heart. And here in John 2.24, Jesus said, I'm not putting my trust in you, though you may put your trust in me to some degree. I'm not putting my trust in you because he knows all men. He's the one that searches the minds and the hearts. Now, verse 25 says this, he had no need that anyone should testify of man. I don't need anyone to instruct me on man or how wishy-washy people are. And they are. People are wishy-washy. People can be for you today and against you tomorrow. That's why you put your faith and trust in God. Because when people change, God doesn't. Now notice this. For he knew what was in man. He knew what was in man. You know, we can actually, it's real interesting. Let me just run off a couple of these examples for you. You can see all through the book of John that this displayed that Jesus knew all men. In John chapter 1, verse 42, it says this, He brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, Andrew bringing his brother Simon, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So the first time Jesus meets Simon, he gives him a new name, Peter. In the Greek, it's Petrus. So he, he gives him, or Petros, he gives him a new name, a stone, which is then revealed in Matthew 16. Hey, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, the revelation of I am the Son of God. And you, Peter, little rock, a chip off the old block, you know, you're going to get, you got this understanding by revelation from the Father. But the moment that Jesus saw Simon Peter, he knows his heart and he changes, he changes his name. How would you like that to meet Jesus? And the first thing he does, he says, you know what, I'm going to call you a different name. But if he gives you a new name, take it. Amen. When he saw Nathanael, another one of his disciples, it says this, Nathanael said unto him, speaking to Jesus, can there be any good thing that comes out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile or no deceit, or no craftiness. In other words, uh, Nathaniel, you're a straight talker. You, you, you say it like it is. You don't mince words, and you speak exactly what you're thinking. You're not deceitful. 
you're not crafty. Because he was just telling his brother Philip, wait a minute, you're telling me the Messiah has come? Uh, the Messiah has come from uh, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that place? And Philip's like, well, come on and see. And Jesus said, oh, you're the one that speaks straight. You're the one that doesn't mince words. You're not full of guile. There's no deceit in you. He knew his heart. Jesus knew the heart of the Samaritan woman. When he's there at the well, and he's talking to this Samaritan woman who's dipping water at the well, he tells her, hey, won't you bring your husband and let me come talk to him? And she says, I don't have a husband. He said, you've said well, because the first several husbands you've had, you've put away, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And he pinpointed the sin in her life so that she could be redeemed from it. But she goes and tells the people of the town, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So she said, hey, look, this guy read me like a book. The things I thought were secret, he knew about them. Jesus said this concerning the Jewish leaders, concerning the love of God not being in their heart, John 5, verse 42. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Jesus is speaking plainly to these Jewish leaders that are full of religion but empty when it comes to faith in God. And he says, look, I know you guys. You may put on a good show. You may wear the best garments. You may look priestly. You may do the job, uh, uh, the task of priests and Pharisee and Sadducee and lawyers of the, word, of the scriptures. But I know you, and there's no love of God in you. He spoke of the disciple. He spoke of Judas. He says this in John 6, 64, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Speaking of a Judas, but also speaking of other disciples that weren't truly believers. He's look, he says, look, I know some of you are following me. You're here. You're watching the miracles. You're listening to the teachings. But you don't really believe. And I already know it. He speaks to the adulterous woman that is brought to him in John chapter 8. And the, her accusers want to stone her to death. And he says, he without sin cast the first stone. And eventually they begin to drop the rocks and leave. And then she, he says to the woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. He said, well, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Well, Jesus knew her heart. He knew her heart. He knew that she, when she repented, that she would do what was right and flee from that sin that she had been committed to. She knew, uh, Jesus knew, in John chapter 8, verse 40, he says this, But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. He's speaking to these Pharisees and Sadducees. And he goes to tell them that your father is the, is the devil, the father of lies. They get really upset about that. But he says, look, in your heart there's murder. I can see straight to your heart. You can say whatever you want to say. I can see in your heart you want to kill me. And they surely did everything they could to bring about his death. But it could not come until Jesus allowed it. So God, he reveals and he knows the hearts of mankind. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this. This is great. And this is an often time, often used verse concerning the heart of mankind. And I want to just talk about it for a second. Make sure we have a proper understanding of it. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. 
and desperately wicked or incurably sick is what the margin of my Bible says. Who can know it? Now notice that. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's full of deceit. It's crafty. It's trying to scheme and lie and cover up. And desperately wicked. It's beyond repair. It's incurably sick. And then the question is asked, who can know it? Well, the answer is brought in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. Look at there. I search the heart. I test the mind or the most secret parts. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So in other words, God is saying, look, I'm going to reward according to works and to your doings, but it's based on your heart. Because maybe you're doing something outwardly that kind of looks okay, but I know the intent of the heart. And in verse 9, we, see, we hear this a lot. And I hear some good Christian brothers and sisters, they'll use this concerning their heart. What I want you to know is this, that the heart of the believer is not deceitful above all things. The heart of the believer is not incurably sick. This is describing the heart that is hardened in sin. It is the heart that you and I have before we came to Christ in salvation. How do I know that? How do I know that's true? Well, because we see the prayer of David in Psalm 51, verse 10. And we did a wake-up call on this a while back. You'd have to scroll a little bit. But um, I think it may be entitled Clean Heart. Psalm 51, verse 10 says this. Create in me a, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Notice that. David's prayer is, Lord, create in me a clean heart. So this heart that I've got that's prone to sin, incurably sick, I need you to create a new heart in me. And that's exactly what salvation does. Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 25, prophesies of what salvation would do in the life of the believer. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. So notice here the prophet of Ezekiel referring to salvation that will be brought to the world by Christ Jesus. He's saying... You need a new heart. The heart you got, another place in or verse 26 it says it. I'm going to take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The heart you got is hard. Jeremiah says it's deceitfully wicked, desperately wicked. It is incurably sick. It is beyond repair. It is full of deceit. And so Ezekiel is saying by the Spirit of the Lord, you need a heart transplant. You need a heart transplant. You need a new heart. That's the prayer that David prayed. I want a new heart. I want a clean heart. And when we come to Jesus, that's exactly what we get. I want you to be encouraged in that. God knows the heart, and the heart that you and I now have is a brand new heart. It's a brand new heart in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God 
in him. So we've been given a new heart. We've been, our spirit has been made alive. And really when the Bible talks about heart, it's referring to the spirit of man. And when we are saved, Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in sins, dead in trespasses, but we have been made alive unto God. And so our spirit is resurrected unto life just as Christ was resurrected from the dead. Spiritually, by faith, when Christ died, we died. When he was crucified, we were crucified. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he came back to life and rose from the dead, so did we. And to the point now that our spirit has been made new and renewed and filled with the life of God, it actually now is a gauge and helps us understand our right relationship with the Lord. 1 John 3 verse 21 says this, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. See, that is the means by which the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and I in our hearts by the inward witness through conviction. And if we're in a place where we begin to try to satisfy the lust of the flesh, or maybe we've got some portion of our mind that's not renewed according to the truth of God's Word, we'll begin to be convicted. And our heart will condemn us. Our heart will say, no, 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 that's not right. And when we do something wrong, it robs us of our confidence in God. But when we repent and get back right, we now are confident with God. And goes on in verse 22, which is a great and powerful prayer promise. And that's what we receive in salvation is this new heart. Because after all, God knows the heart of mankind. He knows that without salvation, without the work of grace in the life of the believer, without the Holy Spirit regenerating and making new the heart of man, it is deceitfully wicked. It is full of deceit and it's beyond repair. It's like Jesus said, I know the hearts of people. They may believe me, but it is a very shallow belief. God is the searcher of the hearts. He searches the hearts of mankind. And you know, that's a, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits, which is an operation of the Holy Spirit to discern what is good and right, what is holy and just among spiritual things, and say this is a spirit of God or this is not. It gives you a warning light but it also tells you what is true and what is righteous and holy. And the Holy Spirit does that by knowing the hearts and spirits of people. And so how about this? How about we decide as the faithful, Lord, reveal anything in our hearts that's not like Christ. You know, now that we have a new heart, Lord, keep it pure. Keep it clean. Wash it continually. You know, if there's something unrenewed in our mind, if there's an area of our life that the flesh rises up, we need to crucify, Lord, show it. Show it to us. Convict us, Lord, because after all, you know our hearts. I want to pray with you before we leave. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person that's watching and listening, part of the faithful, every member. Lord, search out our hearts. Lord, make sure that if there be anything in us, Lord, that's not like Jesus, we don't want it there, Lord God. We want pure hearts. We want clean hearts. We thank you that you've given us a new heart full of life, full of truth by the Spirit. And that's how we intend to keep it. It would never be contaminated. It would never be stained. Or it never be, would be um, deformed by wrong thinking. 
by the lies of the devil, but it would be strengthened by your power, by your truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I want you to know, he knows your heart. And let's always keep our hearts turned toward him. In Jesus' name. And I know you will, and I will too, because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.